Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. up Dolphins and welcome into the Thursday, December the 26th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host Travis Wingfield and as always I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football and on today's show we are previewing the final football game of the 2019 season for your Miami Dolphins. The Finns season ends where Brian Flores' career started. Is there any hope of victory? Plus Miami have been underdogs in every single game this year. Just how impressive of a feat is it winning four games with that stretch we'll explore the ringers kevin clark's article to find out and discuss the primary focus of the dolphins vision maximizing their value and in the spirit of christmas i'll give you my wish list for the 2020 offseason and beyond all of that and more but first before any of it i kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on apple podcast go ahead and leave us a five-star rating leave us a review you can follow me on twitter at wingfield nfl voted the number one follow on dolphins twitter by dolphins twitter you can follow the show at locked on fins we're gonna follow you back and of course check out LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the entire locked on network with daily written content on your Miami Dolphins. That's another Miami Dolphins. We start the podcast with a bit of a news, and we missed Christmas's podcast on Wednesday, and we won't have a podcast for you guys on Friday. Of course, we will be back on Sunday night with the recap of Week 17 against the New England Patriots, but the news this week, we saw it happen in the game on Sunday. Miles Gaskin had a pretty significant ankle injury, and he will now miss the rest of the season, the final game. He is placed on injured reserve. In his place is running back Samaji Pirine, a star back at Oklahoma who was thought to have good NFL prospects got drafted by Washington and was most recently in Cincinnati. This will only serve to add more numbers to Miami's absurd record-breaking numbers from a player usage and transactions made standpoint in one single season. And with that, we jump into this article that was published, I believe, on Monday after Kevin Clark of The Ringer traveled to South Florida to cover the Dolphins and Bengals' epic tank bowl type of game, and he wrote an article about how the two teams are faced and steeped in juxtaposition, and it does start with the lead, which covers the things we already know. The Dolphins were thought to be tanking. Morally reprehensible was the description for how they approached this season, but they just turned out rather to be a typical bad team. But when you consider the perspective of what this roster has been through and what has been given to Brian Flores and his coaching staff, that it's beyond impressive what they've been able to do. And we start in the article here with a quote from Chris Greer, who says, it's such a physical game. And to go ask players to go out there and not try to win games and get beat up is the complete wrong idea of what you're trying to establish in football. End quote. But we also know from the front office and as far as Chris Greer is concerned that the Dolphins backed off pretty much any assets in 2019 in exchange for future assets in 2020 and beyond. And the Dolphins have not been the worst team in football, even though they hamstrung their coaching staff to be the worst team in football. Miami have made 228 transactions this year. The NFL average is 142. The team used 83 players the most in NFL history. They have claimed 20 players off waivers. That's more than anybody 
anybody else. Teams average around four claims per year. So the Dolphins have five times the waiver claims of the average team in the NFL. They have about $65 million in dead money. That's among the biggest number in NFL history for all of those statistics and enough to allow them to have over $100 million in cap space next season. They traded two of their best players earlier this year in Laramie Tunzel and Mika Fitzpatrick. And this goes back to an idea. This is me talking separately from the column right now about the Dolphins' vision to maximize their value at every step every step of the way. And if you do that enough times over and over again, as the Dolphins have done this year, getting two first round picks and a second for Laramie Tunzel, getting a potential top 10 pick for Minka Fitzpatrick from the Pittsburgh Steelers, that did not work out as planned because the Steelers lucked in to a bunch of wins. But if you continuously do that, you maximize the value of the players on your roster, you're going to set yourself up to be consistently strong deep into the roster at the top of the roster and give yourself ultimate flexibility on draft day in free agency. It allows you to win the compensatory formula. Basically, this is what Philadelphia, New England, and Seattle do year in and year out. It's what Cleveland tried to do. And now, even though they're not well coached and had a much more challenging season than many people had projected for the Cleveland Browns, they are far better off than they were three, five, six, seven, even 15 years ago with that horrible organization. The Buffalo Bills did the exact same thing two or three years ago. And now look at them. They're in position to qualify for their second postseason run in three years. And there's other teams around the league that are bad like Miami, but the juxtaposition between the Dolphins and the other teams, like the Washington football team, for instance, Dan Snyder and that operation, they don't have the the benefit of extra picks. They don't have the benefit of a bunch of cap space. The New York Giants with Dave Gettleman and Daniel Jones, would you rather be in their shoes going forward? I sure as hell wouldn't. The Detroit Lions, they hired a defensive whiz as their head coach and Matt Patricia, and they can't stop a nosebleed on that side of the ball and their quarterback is coming off a significant back injury. The Jacksonville Jaguars, I mean, do we even have to go there? The Dolphins are on a different plane from these other bad teams and the way they have done it, the things they have accomplished with this horrible underdog status in every single game is the number one thing this team had to get right in the coaching staff and the program to design a program that could consistently churn out players from the back end of the roster or just plug them into the system and get results. That's been the approach. It's worked this year with guys that have come off the street, guys that were undrafted and the like. They've gotten results out of those guys. And when we go forward, it's going to be even more results from guys that they have in the back end of the draft or the middle rounds of the draft or the bargain buys in free agency. This is just step one. We're seeing the fruits of the labor come to fruition here in year number one. And the next season, it's going to be projected to win five or six games and this coaching staff is going to find a way to get seven, eight, nine wins and that trend will continue for this Miami Dolphins team if they stay on this track. And Kevin Clark had the benefit of talking to Chris Greer and some Dolphins staffers in regard to this rebuild. And Greer told Clark simply, quote, let's see how much draft capital we can accumulate and use that going forward. However, we see fit. It allows free agency, trades, movement up and down draft day. And in the following year in the draft, draft capital in this day and age is very important. So for us, we established from day one that we wanted to try to get as much draft capital as we could. End quote. Kevin Clark then goes on to say that this is the exact same approach the Philadelphia Eagles and Howie Roseman took saying, we're not going to sit here and say to ourselves that we're going to draft better than everybody else in the NFL every single year. The way we're going to protect ourselves and make ourselves get more draft hits is we're just going to pick more than every other team. And Miami has adapted that approach, not just for this season, but going forward. So expect Miami to continuously restock the cupboards with multiple draft picks. He puts a bow on the article by talking about the advantages of getting themselves into this position 
and how it extends beyond just getting draft capital, but it also allows them to, quote, once culture is established and the players know how to win or learn how to win, that's when it takes off. It's If it's a year from now, great, or two years, but for us, we're trying to win as many games as we can every single year. I think the closest thing now is the San Francisco 49ers. It's been three years there for them. It probably got slowed a year by Jimmy Garoppolo getting hurt. Maybe that was a two-year type of deal. Cleveland made a big jump in their first year with Baker Mayfield. Now they are battling through some stuff. It's hard to put a timestamp on it because every team is different, end quote. And then we get a good quote here from Greer on the quarterback position, and it says this, quote, mistakes are made because you have to have it. You say, we're going to go with this guy, and you put all your eggs on this one guy, even though in the back of everyone's mind, it's, well, maybe it's not quite the guy. Fitzpatrick has done a fantastic job. Josh Rosen has been getting better. We're going to do everything we can at the position. It's not just quarterback. We need to get better at a lot of positions. Quarterback is obviously a very, very important piece, and we know we have to add competition there, and we'll do everything we can to find the right guys, end quote. So that to me says that Josh Rosen is not long for this team, as we have talked about on this podcast. All this stuff kind of brings into fruition all of the comments and the ideas put forth on this podcast. It's good to hear it from a national guy. It's good to hear it come down from the top with Chris Greer and the Miami Dolphins. Then Clark spoke to Brian Flores, the Dolphins head coach, who made a pass talking about Chase Young and the idea of drafting particular players that might not fit their scheme. And we'll touch more on that in the next segment. But Brian Flores was never going to give away his draft plans or his thoughts on any particular player, even though he gets asked about the draft every single press conference because the beat writers don't feel like these games are important, even though Brian Flores feels like these games are important. They then go on to talk about Brian Flores' time as a scout and an offensive assistant, even in New England. England and how right now his job is to get the team ready for these games on Sunday, but that he is looking forward to when the time comes where he gets to go back to being that scout and evaluate players at every position, both on defense and on offense. But that's for then and now is for the games. And to me, all of this is to say once again, for the 5,000th time on this podcast, Brian Flores just gets it. He is the right guy. I can't wait to see what they do under this head coach. And if you think you're the right guy to make your picks for betting on sports games this year, then you guys got to check out MyBookie because if you think you know football as well as anybody else and you can call them like you see them, MyBookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash and your wallet. Between football season, the NBA, and the start of college hoops, it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win than they do. If you join right now, mybookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just Use promo code locked on to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code locked on to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign up offer today. Visit mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. And the 
first segment, you can tell that I am definitely feeling this coaching staff and this entire Miami Dolphins operation as year number one is just a few days away from being in the books, just one game away and four quarters away from being in the books as we put a bow on this arduous, confusing, difficult season as Miami Dolphins fans. And before we jump into the game preview, which you can find up on LockedOnDolphins.com, I wanted to talk about a thread I put up on Twitter on Tuesday, I believe it was, before Christmas, on Christmas Eve, talking about the fact that Miami have been underdogs in every single game this year. All 16 games picked the other team to win, and still the Dolphins managed four wins on that slate. They had two victories in which they were double-digit underdogs, 10 points at home against the Philadelphia Eagles, 11 points on the road in Indianapolis. They are 8-7 and seven against the spread, and they are a failed two-point conversion away from winning as six-point underdogs against Washington and a bogus PI call reversal from an outright win as five-point dogs against the New York Jets. Then, of course, they were 14-point dogs on the road in Pittsburgh and really could have gone up by three scores before halftime in that game if not for a pass hitting Nick O'Leary in the shoulder pad, popping up, getting picked off, and then, of course, the game wound up being 14-10 instead of possibly 17-3 or 21-3 before the break. They were 17-point dogs in a game in Buffalo. They had a 14-9 lead at the end of the third quarter, and they had it first and goal at the two-yard line could have made that a 21-9 to game. So they have fought against all odds, basically could have found themselves into six or seven wins, which is outright absurd, and it really gives me confidence going forward in this team. Although, that's to say, I don't think I have the same amount of confidence for this game, Week 17, in New England. And we turn now to LockedOnDolphins.com for the game preview with the Miami Dolphins up against the New England Patriots. Brian Flores makes his first return to Gillette Stadium, where the Dolphins have not won a game since the Wildcat game back in 2008 with Ronnie Brown, a place where visitors have won just 19 games in 141 tries since Tom Brady took over as the quarterback of that team. And Bill Belichick knows the importance of this game. He knows how the Patriots have lost out on home field advantage twice in the last four seasons because of losses to Miami, albeit games at Hard Rock Stadium. With a win here, the Patriots clinch a divisional round home game. A loss means they have to play on wildcard weekend and then a divisional trip to Kansas City if they survive that first round game. So the gravity of this contest prompted Bill Belichick to proclaim this as a playoff game, a funny factoid for a team that beat this Miami Dolphins team by 43 points back in week two, even though this Dolphins team is much different than they were back at that time. And the Patriots have wrapped up their 11th straight AFC East title and have won 12 or more games in nine of the last 10 seasons. It has been utter dominance and that will continue on Sunday most likely. We talk about the scheme on offense. Look, you're looking at a team here that the Dolphins want to build their model. Pretty much a replica of that team with, of course, Brian Flores' own flair. But on offense, they're going to find a way to adapt on the fly every single week. So they're going to attack the Dolphins' weaknesses in this game on offense. They did it last week against the Buffalo Bills, going to more 20 personnel than they usually use. They had been using James Devlin to start the season at fullback. He gets injured week number two against Miami, and so the Patriots basically have to scrap their 21 personnel package with the fullback up until Saturday against the Buffalo Bills. Elandon Roberts played 10 offensive snaps at fullback two weeks ago against the Bengals, and that game brought his season total workload up to 29 offensive reps at fullback. He never got more than seven reps at fullback prior to that, but Saturday, he was out there for 20 
20 snaps, 29% of the Patriots plays, and he was smacking dudes left and right. And the result of that was 143 rushing yards for the Patriots, their third highest total this season, and a division clinching win. Their passing game operates like Miami's. You have two non-congruent route combinations to either side of the field. It uses a mixture of personnel packages, plenty of motion and alignments, and that gives Tom Brady all the pre-snap indicators to allow him to pick teams apart in the short to intermediate portions of the field. They run 11 personnel 62% of the time. They run 21, 13% of the time. And the next two packages they use the most are 10 and 20 personnel. That means one back, no tight ends, two backs, no tight ends. They are as versatile as any team in the NFL. And the result is the 16th scoring offense. Check that 16th total offense in the NFL, ninth in passing, 19th in rushing, and sixth in scoring. You guys know the characters by now. Tom Brady is in the midst of his worst season since 2006, at least statistically, 6.6 yards per pass. That's his lowest since 2002, the last time Brady did not make the playoffs, and he ranks 26th in the NFL in that mark at yards per pass. For the first time, Brady looks like he's finally showing his age, and maybe, just maybe, the end is near. They ran the ball with Sony Michelle last Sunday, 21 times out of the 35 design runs, went to Michelle. Rex Burkhead is the big-time pass-catching threat. He and James White team up. They have not found a way to replace Rob Gronkowski. Julian Edelman is still the same guy, 97 catches this year, but Nikhil Harry, Mohamed Sanu, and Philip Dorsett have been disappointments this year for that team, so maybe the Dolphins get a break with their depleted secondary against that Patriots receiving core that has not played well. On the other side, defensively, we know what this looks like, and I want to touch on this point very vehemently because the Patriots, they utilize their defensive personnel in the way that Miami wants to use their personnel, and it's a reason why they traded away Chandler Jones. It's a reason why we argue that maybe, just maybe... Chase Young is not the ideal slam dunk fit for Miami because they want players that are versatile and they're only going to give extended workloads to players that can play multiple positions. And again, that's not to say that Chase Young has not does not have the ability to play multiple positions. He just hasn't done it yet. They give the defensive lineman on that team no more than 50% of the workload. The top snap taker has only played 52% of the Patriots defensive snaps on that line. Now, last year when they had Trey Flowers, he he played about 80% because he could play like six different positions on that defensive line, whether it was inside as a two technique, all the way out as a seven technique and everything in between. But they're going to do that on the defensive line at the linebacker position. The highest snap taker is 80% with Jamie Collins. They have Kyle Van Noy playing rusher off the edge and the A gaps. Pretty much anywhere you can line up as a linebacker, they're going to put you there. And the Patriots go heavy with Donta Hightower, Kyle Van Noy, and Jamie Collins in those positions. And then it's all put together by that strong defensive backfield. They'll drop seven or eight guys into coverage. They'll bait, they'll trap, they'll funnel, they'll bracket better than anybody else in football. Nobody plays more man coverage than the Patriots, and they have perfected that single high man-free defense with three premier corners on that back end. And because of that, the Patriots rank tops in total defense, seventh in rushing, second in passing defense, and first in scoring defense. The best cornerback in the NFL is, of course, Stephon Gilmore. He has six interceptions this year. Devin McCourty is the only other member of the Patriots defensive backfield 
that has eclipsed 90% of the snaps. J.C. Jackson, their premier slot cornerback, has played just a smidge over 65% of the snaps. Lawrence Guy is the one that has played 52%. Then you've got Adam Butler, John Simon, and Danny Shelton as the guys that kind of round out the group there. As far as the Dolphins' opportunities in this game, they are thin. They are difficult to find. They don't feature a pass rusher or pass rush in general that can get home regularly. Their second level does not have the weapons to exploit New England's newfound weaknesses on offense and the Patriots' dominant defense has already shown what it can do against this Dolphins offense, even though this Miami offense is a far more air it out, single dimension type of offense this year. But again, the Patriots are going to take away what you do best, and they do that better than anybody else in the league. So this could be a sour note to end the season for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Miami's concerns, they're pretty much everywhere. They're going to take the football away. They're going to run it down Miami's throat. We know exactly what this team does not do well for Miami, and the Patriots will find a way to exploit that. Again, it's all been positive so far for this Dolphins team as far as finding four victories on the schedule. It looks like they have the right vision in mind. It definitely looks like they have the right coaching staff in mind. It's going to be a bittersweet end to the season on Sunday for Miami because we won't get to see meaningful football from the Aqua and Orange for eight more months. But then again, the 2019 season can't come to its conclusion fast enough, even if it's in a lopsided defeat. That's what I'm projecting here. I've got Patriots 41, Dolphins 7. It's going to be a blowout. It's going to be ugly, but at least the season will finally be over. And we'll talk about what important football is going to mean to this team next year on the other side of the podcast and get to my Christmas wish list. All of that next here, Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. We had some pretty bad weather down here in South Florida, pretty much for the duration of my trip. I am recording this podcast on Christmas Day, December the 25th, as my wife is napping in the room next to us. We have dinner reservations tonight at It Italy. Have you guys heard of that on Los, Los Olas Boulevard? Then we're going to go see a movie, but today has been fantastic. Very good weather. Had some time on the beach, had a very nice lunch and some breakfast. That's what you do on vacation. You soak up the sun, you eat a bunch of good food. I have drank in a bunch of alcohol. My wife obviously can't not because she's pregnant. Went and saw the Miami Heat. And real quick on the Miami Heat, I haven't watched a whole lot of NBA basketball in recent years. I tend to see the fact that defense is pretty non-existent in the NBA. But my goodness, the Heat rotate and fill as well as anybody I've seen on the professional level in some time. They are a fun team to watch. They share the basketball. They distribute the basketball. I really like that Miami Heat squad. They're definitely my team going forward in the NBA. Let's get back to football here and talk about my Christmas wish list as it is December the 25th. And this kind of goes back to the first segment of the article we talked about with Kevin Clark from The Ringer that you don't need to force the quarterback addition. That's wish list item number one. Don't force the quarterback addition. Let it happen naturally. Don't just take a guy to take a guy. Now, if you identify the guy as the absolute right fit for your offense and you want to trade up to go get him, be my guest. That's fantastic. I would prefer that. Just don't draft a guy to draft a guy. That's my top wish. My second wish is to fix the offensive line. This offense will thrive when the offensive line gets up to speed. And of course, the biggest aspect of that is adding a second dimension to the offense. We know the Patriots want to be versatile in every way they possibly can, finding multiple ways to beat you. So when they don't have one aspect of their team going that day, they can just switch over and adapt and beat you in another way. The Dolphins are hamstrung by the fact that they just cannot run the football right now at all. And so the top of my wish list here is to go get Joe Tooney or go get Brandon Schur from Washington. Of course, Tooney from the Patriots. We need one of those top two guys 
to plug in at guard and spearhead this running game and get it going in the right direction. That is atop my offensive line wish list. And then, of course, we need a tackle, and that comes from the draft as well. So whether you go in the end of the first round with maybe a Josh Jones or an Austin Jackson, that could be an option, or you wait later on for a Lucas Nyong from TCU who is injured coming off an ACL, so he probably falls a little bit. Give me one of those guys in the back end of round one or the top of round two, or I think perhaps my favorite option, and we'll see where he goes, Kyle Krabs of the Draft Network just updated his study on this player and said he's going to vault up draft boards come April. It's Makai Becton from Louisville. He is huge. He's athletic. He throws guys around like ragdolls out there, and he fits the Dolphins' positional prototype at the spot off the edge. Jared Jones-Smith, Jordan Mills, all these Dolphins acquisitions at tackle this year, albeit not really NFL players at this stage, but they're huge athletic players, and that's what Becton is. I also want a center because Daniel Kilgore just can't do a lot of the things they ask him to do. A Creed Humphrey and Nick Harris would look great on this team going forward. And then the wish number three is just to get healthy and stay healthy. We know Miami has the second most players on injured reserve this season. Xavier Howard, Bobby McCain, Preston Williams, maybe even Rashad Jones to an extent if he comes back. We've had really bad injury luck going back several years now. So I just wish that part of the roster, that part of the equation can get fixed in the future. And then wish number four is to find the pieces to execute that rush contain scheme we always talk about. We've been over a million times. A name I'll throw out there that I haven't talked about a whole lot is Kevin Dern's favorite option from Notre Dame, Khalid Kareem. He is a good, versatile outside rusher slash run defender who can condense inside, and he's justified in saying that he loves Khalid Kareem because that guy can flat out play. Maybe it's Jadavian Clowney. Maybe it's Yannick Ngakwe in free agency. Maybe it's a lower budget move with F.A. Abata. I think Yatir Gross Matos from Penn State really fits that mold, and he can do it from that second pick in the first round, possibly. Again, back to the Patriots defensive snap counts. The more you can do, the more you'll play here. Otherwise, they're just going to go out and find guys that can fit specific roles, give you 40, 50, 60% of the reps. And if you can't play multiple positions, you're never going to sniff 70 or 80% of the downs. So find guys like that. And on top of all of that, my fifth and final wish, I wish for meaningful football from the first play of the season this year in the Ravens game, when Mark Ingram hit that 50 something yard run, we just knew we weren't going to be actively enjoying Dolphins football this year. And that is tough. We essentially went through that in 2017 as well when Tannehill got hurt in the preseason because nothing is worse than losing your starting quarterback in the preseason or so we thought because this, this has been worse. So those are the five wishes. Do not force the quarterback position. Fix the offensive line. Get healthy and stay healthy. Find the pieces to execute the rush contain scheme. And of course, give me some meaningful football. And now to wrap up the Christmas theme podcast, we're not going to be with you guys on Friday. I am traveling, going to take the day off. So we'll be back with you again on Sunday for the Patriots Dolphins recap, all that fun stuff, our final season recap of the 2019 year. Before we do that though, I want to give some Christmas thanks to a lot of people that have made this podcast successful that have made me be able to do this full time. And I want to start with people inside the Miami Dolphins organization that have given me the tools I need to get the access to the team to give you guys better coverage. Eric Todorov in the digital media department. Jason Jenkins has been fantastic. Scott Stone, Matt Taylor, Viera Halam, Sidney Wade, Tom Garfinkel. So many folks have been so instrumental in helping this situation, getting us down here to cover some games. It's been a blast. We love South Florida. Thank you all to the Miami Dolphins organization 
organization within the Locked On Network. David Locke has been everything to me. That guy is like a father. Carl Weinstein, Kevin Dern, Jason Harina, Chris Kowalski, Sean Diggity, Andrew Mitchell, Gabe Harai. Oliver Candido, you guys have all been instrumental in keeping together LockedOnDolphins.com and thanking that and keeping that thing cranking. To the folks in radio that give me so many chance to get my voice out there in South Florida, Zach Duarte, Rashad Butler, Brian Monroe, Vlad on the board from the ticket. All you guys have been great for me. All the followers, all the subscribers, and all the readers, you guys... I cannot say enough how much you all mean to me. Thank you so very much for supporting the podcast, supporting the website, supporting my Twitter timeline, and just supporting me in general. It means everything to myself, and of course, it means everything to the one who really gets the most thanks here, Mrs. Wingfield, who has really supported this journey from day one. She's down here right now with me, love in South Florida. She is just the ultimate trooper, the best woman, the best person I have ever met in my entire life. Even Kevin said it once he left here after on Monday on his flight said that man you found a good one and he is damn right about that Mrs. Wingfield has been everything for me thank you so much sweetheart you're the best person I know and that is a great way I think to end the podcast for the week to end the podcast for the Christmas season And as we are want to ask you to do, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your weekend. We'll talk to you again on Sunday night for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up. Merry Christmas.